Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help. You have all made it to the dance. You have all made it, made it, Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 120. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. Time to go back to school. That's right. School is in session. Nick Jackson and Tony Pigford of the Boys School of Denver. Now, the Boys School of Denver hasn't had any classes yet. They open in August of 2017. But enrollment is going on right now. So if you have a fifth grade boy and you are interested in maybe a different type of educational experience for them, this episode is for you. If you're interested in the education system in general, this episode is for you. If you have questions about charter schools, this episode is for you. Education is at the forefront of a lot of our conversations. It has to do with how we fund our government. How do we get money to schools? How is that money allocated? What does our school system look like? You know, you hear a lot about transforming the educational experience. Are our schools up to date? Are they making our kids competitive in a global environment? Are we creating good citizens? Or are we just training kids to take a test? These are all questions that get addressed in this week's episode with Tony Pigford and Nick Jackson. And I would argue their answers are terrific. Now, full disclosure here. I am a supporter of GALS. It is the Girls Athletic Leadership School. The Boys School of Denver is the brother school to GALS. So know that going in. But also know that I'm not afraid to ask them some tough and pointed questions. People have questions about charter schools. You know, their fundraising capabilities. Uh, you know, do they have to adhere to Common Core, standardized testing, Things like this. What, you know, why a single sex environment? What are the benefits of that? What is with the focus on movement? These are all things I explore. And in my estimation, Tony and Nick do a very admirable job of talking about the justification and the science and the reasoning behind everything that they do. Now, you can be the judge for that yourself as you listen to this week's episode. That's what you do. You are the audience. I'm just here to ask the questions. It's for you to evaluate. But I adore this episode because I love talking about issues of cultural importance. And education, especially now that I have two daughters, and as I look at the educational system, I have renewed interest in it. I haven't really thought about it. You know, you're in your 20s, your early 30s, you don't have kids. It's kind of outside of your field of caring about it, right? You go, oh, yeah, education. I mean, it is important. I went through the education system. And, you know, I sort of care intellectually about it, but now that I have skin in the game and I have two daughters looking ahead for them, I care very deeply about it. So I wanted to ask some questions. They did a great job answering it. This is a fabulous episode and one I'm proud to bring to you. Now, before we get to it, uh, a quick plug for our sponsor, Four Degrees, the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Four Degrees does amazing work in the social media space. Basically, if you are looking to enhance your reach with the people who need to know more about your service, about your product, about your candidate, whatever it is that you're doing, Four Degrees will help you not only craft the right message, but will also help you identify the audience and the platforms they are on to optimize the receipt of that message. Because you could have the best message in the world, but if you don't understand how to get it to the people who need to hear it the most, then why even bother crafting a message to begin with? Four Degrees will help you excel at that. Also, on a personal note, they have designed my personal website, the John of All Trades website. They've also designed the website for Deft Communications, the production 
of John of All Trades. That's right. Deft on the web is D-E-F-T-C-O-M. That's a plug within a plug, people. We're getting meta here in 2017 here on the John of All Trades podcast. But more importantly, Four Degrees, they built my website, they offer me tech support, and they get my message out in ways that I, I could only dream of. So I cannot recommend them highly enough. I urge you to go to their website, the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Proud sponsor of the John of All Trades podcast. We love them. We adore them. Happy to plug them. Now, on to this week's episode. We're talking with Nick Jackson and Tony Pigford of the Boys School of Denver. This is a great episode in terms of learning more about the educational system with two guys who care very deeply about its present and about its future, and they are working very hard to mold the future that we want. So, episode 120, Nick Jackson, Tony Pigford, starts right now. No, it's it's amazing In as a great an adult. Kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> snow days as an adult are so much better than snow days as a kid. <laughs> uh, that is unless you have uh, children of your own, and then uh, then it's like death. Yeah, um, two under two. Yeah, well, two under two for me. But uh, when you can't send them to school, you're like, oh my god, we're all going to kill each other here right. if we have to be locked in this house <laughs> again. With, like, and it's cold, so we can't uh-huh. really go anywhere. And I'm at the stage where it's like shiny and new because we have a 10 month old. So it's okay. great when I can be home. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> um, we have, so my first daughter is two and like two months. My other daughter is six months. So that's a little intense. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to replicate that, start trying in about two months. Okay. <laughs> All right. I got gotcha. you. You'd be right on it. You'd be right there with me. It's legit. So I don't know what your guys' plans are. Is the are. age difference okay for you? It's like, good. It's a good span. You know what? You run your own race. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people who are like, I can't believe you have two in diapers. And you go, well, I'm already doing diapers. I'm just doing more diapers now. Like, right. I can't imagine being out of diapers and then having to go back to it and start like start the clock over again. That's what I've been thinking about. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just got married in September. You got I'm married 17 again? 17-year-old. Okay. But my wife doesn't have any. Yeah. I mean, our son is her son, of course. But right. I've been thinking about that going back to that whole phase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to have uh, one so that June can have a friend. So uh, sitting here with Tony Pigford <laughs> and Nick Jackson. Uh, Boys School of Denver. What are your guys' uh, titles? I'm the Dean of Students. Dean of Students, Tony? Uh, and I'm the head of school. Okay, yeah. head of school. I was introduced to you guys because this is almost like a companion sister episode to the episode I did two years ago with Liz Wolfson mm-hmm. um, talking about gals. So and we'd be the brother episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's better stated. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the brother episode. Uh, I met Liz through Melanie Yuli. Um, who is philanthropy expert. And, you know, I think she probably helps you guys uh, with some fundraising and stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you guys technically a part of gals or were you a part of gals? Yeah. So we're technically a part of the gals umbrella network. Okay. Um, we have the same philosophy, you know, same focus on movement, the single gender piece. We are simply the brother school to gals. So we are the all boys version of gals. Okay. Same board of directors and share gotcha. the same positions as well. Uh, how long have you guys been at Gals, and how long has the boys' school been sort of uh, conceptualized? Uh, I joined uh, full time with Gals on July first. Okay, so just recently, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, before that, I did some part time contract work leading up to my official start on July first. Okay, and have been embedded here at Gals, uh, working with the dean of students at Gals while I do community outreach and recruiting. And Nick has been a part of the organization considerably longer. Yeah, so this is my third year here at Gals. Um, I met the head of school at Gals, Nina Safane, in grad school out east at Columbia University at Teachers College. Uh, And that's where I was first introduced to the concept of Gals. And she, uh, we became fast friends. She convinced me to uh, move my life out west and start the boys' version of this school. Um, So really, ever since I met Nina... That would have been five years ago. Wow. We started talking about, you know, creating this this brother school to gals. So it's it's been in the works uh, for five years, I guess I would say. And then um, I came on and joined the gals team three years ago, and I was the sixth-grade language arts teacher as well as an instructional coach, okay. um, but always doing boys' school work on the side because we knew it would eventually come to fruition. So when I came on board three years ago, it was immediately start writing the charter, uh, start ma- making partnerships, start talking to Nina about how we're going to translate 
uh, everything that's happening at Gals and, and modify it for the boys' version. I gotcha. Okay, that's interesting. So start with what might be an obvious question, maybe not. You have a girls' school. You have uh, the girls' athletic leadership school here, and that's Gals. Um, it, se- it seems like it would only make sense to have a brother's school, to have you know, a boys' school. But I think as you sort of look at culture and you look at education, I think there's an argument to be made that almost like traditional education is already geared towards, you know, uh, towards males, towards boys. Um, so can you talk through the necessity of what differentiates sort of a single sex educational experience versus traditional, you know, uh, dual gender, uh, experience? Yeah. So what we're really able to do here at gals and at the boys school next year, uh, is by separating those genders, uh, you immediately create, uh, this this sense of commonality, this sense of belonging. So at the boys' school, the boys come in and they immediately have, you know, in the sixth grade, 119 other brothers uh, who are going through similar experiences in their life, um, who have the same problems, the same issues, um, and they're able to have all those brothers alongside of them to grow through those things. And so by separating the genders, uh, we break down this feeling that these kids are constrained by these gender stereotypes. And so, you know, by, by removing uh, the girls from the equation, all of a sudden our boys no longer feel like they have to be the class clown. Mm. Um, all of a sudden the boys feel like, hey, I, I can be smart. It's cool to be smart. Um, it's okay to be good at arts and music, and it's okay for me to be good at reading and writing. Mm. Um, because often the boys will feel in a mixed gender classroom like they have to uh, follow the stereotypes that are put in place for them. Why do you think that is? I think it's just the way that our cultural norm has gone. I think we all feel those pressures from media, from society, um, from our friends and family unknowingly. Uh, it's just It just comes up. It's something you feel and experience. That's the way it is. Yeah. And so we're seeing this need out in the community. And, you know, as we're recruiting and talking to families, uh, about what we're going to be offering here, especially that sense of belonging, you know, we start to see it in people's faces that, oh, finally, somebody gets it. Um, <laughs> somebody understands, what was it? We had, um, help me out on this, Tony, but we have what's called day in the life sessions where right. boys can come and experience a couple hours at our school, what it would be like to do movement all day, to be around just boys, to experience our curriculum. Right. Uh, and at the end of the day, we had a mom write us an email afterwards. So she was debriefing in the car with her son, and the son said something to her like, Mom, why hasn't anyone done this yet? <laughs> and the mom goes, what do you mean? Create a school that gets boys. Hmm. And that's really what we do above all else. We, we know our kids well. Right. And I think when I think about going back to your comment about traditional education being geared towards boys, like when you have the boys and girls together, we've heard girls say that, uh, they don't speak up as much. The boys are raising their hands. The girls mm-hmm. uh, kind of fade off into the background. Um, here at Gals, it's completely different. The girls hold their space in a much more confident way. Yeah. And so I think that that's part of the why. And then also, if you look at a lot of the data around boys, they're struggling. Uh, the right. graduation rates are lower. Their test scores are lower. They have more incidents with the juvenile justice system. Mm. Um, our schools are failing our boys. And I think that when you think about that traditional education that has been geared towards boys and geared towards discipline and compliance and all of that, um, we've created a lot of the problems that we're addressing with this model through Mm -hmm. that traditional way of approaching education. I got you. Well, I mean, knowing what I know, uh, having been involved with gals ever since I met with Liz and talking with Liz was just so energizing Mm -hmm. because, I mean, she's a force of nature when you get right down to it. And she surrounds herself with, with brilliant, energetic people as well. So, I mean, that makes sense to me on a fundamental level. Um, you guys are a charter school, right? And you, you, your foundation of movement, first of all, before I ask the question, can you talk about how you start each day with movement? Because mm-hmm. in, in terms of especially boys, and I see it because I have two girls who are, you know, one's two, one is six months old, and I see my friends who have boys of the same age, and there's just a different energy level. I mean, they move and they, it's like they run and they sprint and they climb. My <laughs> girls have plenty of energy, but it, they don't hold a candle to the boys who are their same age. Um, so can you talk about the philosophy of movement that, that is both part of gals and the boys school? Yeah, it's, it's a huge part of our school that, that runs through, you know, every aspect of our school. <clears throat> so we start, we start every day with a movement class. 
Uh, it's the first 45 minutes of every single day. Uh, and what that looks like varies from quarter to quarter. It could be a running unit. It could be yoga. It could be hip-hop dance. Uh, it could be a cycling unit. Um, later on in the year, we get to team sports, ultimate frisbee, flag football, uh, and a big uh, kind of Olympics at the end of the year. So the first 45 minutes is is a movement class. That sounds fun. It, it's First and <laughs> foremost, it's fun. It's a joyful time. And, you know, we'll get into all the reasons that we do movement at the start of the day, yeah. but you just hit the nail on the head. That's a big <laughs> reason why we do it. It's a great way to start the day, gets our kids excited about the day, um, gets them feeling, you know, at gals, that sisterhood and at boys, that brotherhood aspect where, you know, we're all outside running together. We're yeah. all running to the park, staff, students, um, we're pushing each other. Uh, it's just this feeling of empowerment because running might not be everybody's favorite, <laughs> but the way we it's lift each other mine. up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's an incredible way to just feel energized for that day. And then, you know, you get into, you know, the science behind the brain and body connection. That's, that's obviously a huge reason why we do it. We're waking the brain up. Um, you know, research says the adolescent brain doesn't truly wake up until about 10 a.m. <laughs> unless you kickstart it with something. Okay, gotcha. So we're kickstarting it with movement. Um, so we're waking the brain up. We're waking the body up. We're teaching healthy habits. We're doing it together, promoting that sense of inclusiveness and belonging. And when it comes down to it, it's fun. Well, I mean, you guys mentioned to me before we got on, you started your day uh, as a staff with movement, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that filters upward as well. And, I mean, how did that – this is the first day back from break, right? First day back from break, And correct. so how did that uh, impact the way you guys started then? It made my day just a lot more peaceful and, and calm. And coming back from winter break, as we were discussing earlier, it, it changes the dynamic about how you welcome each other back. It's not your really dry standard, <laughs> how was your Christmas break? You're, you're right. playing a game. You're moving your body. Um, it's bringing us closer together in a really unique way. We started in small groups for movement then went to bigger ones and ended with just sort of a, a meditation by ourselves. And so – so me, can I ask what you guys did? Like, what was the movement? <laughs> yeah, so we came in at the beginning of the day, um, and we did, let's see, partner squats while reciting the pledge. So <laughs> if you can imagine Tony and I grasping forearms and leaning back and squatting together, oh, either together or seesaw-like or back-to-back, -back. there were different versions of squats wow. while we recited the gal's pledge. So. As we're squatting, you know, we're saying, I know who I am. I know that I matter. I know what matters to me. Um, so we started out like that. Uh, There's the there, chair balance. There was the chair balance. Yeah. Then we broke into bigger groups. So four people where we had to – this is going to be hard to describe. But we created a square with our bodies where we were kind of matrix leaning back. But then we okay. were supported by the next person's knees. And so we were able to all lean on each other's knees Chairs in this square. Oh, wild. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, you know, there were some <laughs> balloons involved. And then we took the balloons to the gym and we did relay races where we had to hold the balloon <laughs> between our interlocked bodies. Uh, and then, as Tony said, we ended in some meditation, kind of get ready for semester two wow. here. So yeah. uh, that will certainly break down the, the barrier socially. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. You know, you guys aren't doing, you know, sort of standard like step aerobics or, you know, 1950s calisthenics or, you know. <laughs> well, it was interesting. Uh, the head of school, um, uh, Carrie Donovan. Head of the high school. Head yeah. of the high school was mentioning she was doing a tour about a potential student who's going to join us this semester in the high school. And their, her parents were coming in. And as her uh, parents were walking through the hallway, there were 50 adults that were running through the hall holding hands, skipping on the way to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> and she just described the impact that that made on the parents as far as what type of culture we had and how it sort of broke the ice. And, I guess and, so, yeah. <laughs> and they looked at that as, you know, just uh, – I think they looked at it as a, a really tight staff culture. Mm -hmm. You know, we're yeah. comfortable with each other. Fun should mm -hmm. definitely be a part of any school, right. a big part of it. And so it was interesting to hear her describe how that really put the parents at ease yeah, when they saw how comfortable Yeah, she described it as we like it was a sigh of relief mm -hmm. for them to mm -hmm. see the staff. Well, the, the I mean the parent aspect is one thing. How, what kind of impact does uh, that have on the students seeing you all interact that way? Because I know when I was 13, 14 years old, the administrators seemed like they were, mm -hmm. you know, untouchable or, you know, they were these sort of scary adults. Right. And so, you know, how does that intersect with the power dynamic you guys have here? Right. And we as, you know, the leaders of the boys' school will be participating in movement every single morning with these kids. Right. They'll see us being vulnerable. They'll see a staff of all different shapes and sizes trying to run in the morning or do Huffing yoga. Puffing, or, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we say at Gals and at the boys' school, if, if you have a body, you're an athlete. 
Yeah. Uh, and so we're all able to move. You know, we're not churning out D1 <laughs> athletes. That's not our purpose. It's just to move, to get our bodies right. moving. Um, and it's more than just that morning movement time, too. We have movement interspersed throughout our entire day. And generally, kids aren't sitting in a desk for more than about 15 or 20 minutes before they're up and doing some kinesthetic learning. So they're still, they're still moving even during the classroom sessions. Exactly, yeah. Wow. And uh, so, I mean, the way we're dressed right now, if you could see us, this is our There will be a photo on the uh, companion <laughs> okay. blog page, so we'll, we'll get a photo together. Right. Yeah. You know, it's shorts and sweatpants and tennis shoes and T-shirts because wow. that – is our philosophy. We're moving all day. Well, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, this all sounds great, but I'm sure there are discipline problems that come up from time to time, as there will be, mm-hmm. is sort of uh, humanizing yourselves and making yourselves more relatable and, you know, putting yourselves on the same level. Does that ever impede when you need to sort of uh, be the authority or mm-hmm. I, how does that play mm-hmm. out? It's it's all a preventative approach for us. And Tony can talk more about this as our dean of students. But Really, it's all about relationships. There's no secret in my mind to what works in education and what works in discipline. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people get turned off by that word discipline and it, it brings them bad memories or <laughs> makes them think of punitive things. We're not a punitive right. uh, school. It, in fact, the root of discipline is disciple, and that means to follow or to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we do is, as I mentioned earlier, we get to know our boys well. Um, and so that way when a student does need to spend some time with Tony or with me as the head of school – you know, I already have that relationship built with them. Right. And so we can actually find a way to mend the circle and repair the harm instead of just me handing out punitive right. uh, measures. I think a, a big part of that, too, I mean, there is a fine line between having solid relationships with students and still being seen as a leader and someone that they need to need to follow. And that's just something that you, I think, gain with experience as, as educators. Of course. And then also I think it's important to have uh, multiple contacts for students to go to. Uh, as the dean, you know, I, I want to be seen as that that coach, but I'm not going to be the one that all students like necessarily. <laughs> right. Um, and being sure that we know, well, who is that contact person that they do really look to as someone, uh, as a leader and a, an authority figure that they will have a, a special connection mm-hmm. with and being sure that there are multiple adults that they connect with. And I think that the model kind of naturally sets itself mm-hmm. up to create those uh, relationships with, with various adults in the building. That makes good sense to me. Talking about the movement and the incorporation of movement, um, one of the things that you hear, because you, you'll hear and read any number of pieces about education in this country and how reforms need to happen, or there, there's any number of angles you can take on it, but one of the byproducts of that has been almost the elimination of movement, of recess, of PE classes throughout all of K through 12. And what I'm curious about is you all have incorporated that mod, in, incorporated movement into the way that you structure your entire program, how does that interplay with, you know, having to uh, deal with standardized tests and mm-hmm. sort of metrics? You know, teachers feel increasing pressure to teach to the test, so mm-hmm. they're eroding some of their autonomy in the classroom because they feel like they have these metrics to meet. How do you guys meet those metrics while still incorporating this philosophy that seems to have worked very well for you? Yeah, it's it's first and foremost an actual belief that it does work and that it does help. So making sure that in order to prepare for those standardized tests, we're not doing any teaching to the test. Okay. Um, we don't we don't think that works. We don't believe in that. We really ramp up our movement. That's it's what we believe in. Uh, the movement, the the social emotional piece, making sure we're teaching that and modeling that. Um, and what we've seen is, you know, in the data, it does work. Uh, most recently last year on the park test, um, in terms of growth, we were second in the district. That's out of like 60-plus schools. Wow. Second in growth in language arts and seventh in growth in math. Um, and, again, that's with doing no teaching to the test. It's just making sure we are teaching the content, using movement as we're teaching the content, and sticking to what works, sticking to our guns. Hmm. I, but, I mean, you're, you're still – and it sounds like you've done well and been successful – you still have evaluation metrics that you need to meet, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how much do, do the tests play into the way that you plan your curriculum? I would honestly, and this is me, you know, speaking from experience as well, being a teacher the past two years here at GALS, it's not something that I thought about. <laughs> it's I thought about 
you know, what makes us different, which is that movement, which is that social emotional piece, um, which is having the autonomy to create and modify our curriculum based on our student population. Mm. Those are the things I focused on because those are the things not only I believe in, but what the school believes in too. So I had that freedom to be able to stick to what I believed in. I didn't Mm. feel that pressure, not from Nina, the head of school. Um, You know, she's the one that's, that's giving up that autonomy to be like, do what we know works. We did that, and the results speak for themselves. Wow. That, I, I would say that's, that's a bold approach, and I would call that atypical of what you hear typically in the cultural dialogue yeah. regarding this because there's a, there's a big fear about, you know, if, if our school doesn't do well on this assessment test, you mm-hmm. know, if our, our students don't rise to the occasion, then our school is going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And it, to hear you talk about, you know, we're not going to worry about it. We're going to work on what we know works. We're going to teach core concepts. We're, you know, it's, it's almost in, in a very sort of circuitous way, almost a more traditional view of education. Like here are the things that you need to know to be a student, to be a citizen, mm-hmm. rather than here's what you need to pass a test. Right. Well, and if, if a student doesn't feel like they belong, if they don't feel like adults care about them, if they don't feel like they've got a community that supports them and students around them that understand that we are in this all together, uh, they're going to struggle with those standardized tests. Like you can focus till you're blue in the face on the academics, but if a student isn't comfortable, doesn't feel like taking social, emotional, and academic risks, mm. um, you're starting from a deficit right there. <laughs> right. You, know? you have to you have to work your way back up mm-hmm. almost to to even. Right. Right. Wow. And uh. it's it's interesting because we get a lot. You know, the idea, oh, you guys are so innovative. Uh, I'm so glad there's such an innovative new school like this. And to us, it's almost like we're going back to the roots of what we know works in school. Kids need to move. Kids need to be taught more than just what, you know, more than just science and math. They need to be taught leadership skills and soft skills and personal skills and how to be a better human being. That's ultimately our goal is we want to churn out kids who um, are ready for their next step academically, sure. But we want to churn out kids who are turning into better human beings who know themselves more. Hmm. And really quickly to your point about taking away recess, like we're the exact opposite of that. Nick and I had conversations about when a student does end up in my office, is it going to be effective for them to sit still as I have a conversation with them? Or would it be more effective to go in the gym and throw a ball back and forth and see if that helps them open up? And I can speak from experience as a child that I, when I was sitting on the couch in front of both of my parents made to sit still and look them in the eye, <laughs> right. I wasn't very vocal. Um, but if my dad took me outside and started throwing the ball around, I would start to talk about the root cause of, of why I was in that position to really learn from from that experience. Yeah, you're you're shooting baskets. And, mm-hmm. you know, if if you hang out with boys long enough, it's it's much easier – uh, I, I saw a social experiment once. This was probably in college, but there are two chairs in a room, and they put you know two women in there and angle the chairs however you want to talk to each other. And the women put the chairs directly facing each other, mm-hmm. right, like just head on, dead on, so that they could be like this right here, dialed in. The boys uh, angled them sort of almost like TV conversationally, mm-hmm. you know, so they're kind of like you can you can look this way, but you don't have to. You don't have to engage that way, and they were much more open that way, right? And so it. It's almost just a fundamental understanding of how we relate to each other that, exactly. that we're almost losing our grip on. And so, I mean, that leads me to a question. Given our current cultural norms and our cultural expectations of the education system, do you guys ever get any pushback, any blowback from the system? And, you know, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, I was given pushback many times about how, you know, we're not preparing kids for the real world. Uh, in a number of ways. The real world has obviously both boys and girls. And the real world, uh, you know, if you have a desk job and you got to sit at a desk and aren't you preparing these kids for a world where they're going to have to be stagnant? And so there's pushback there. But again, it's, it's sticking to what we want in a better, healthier, happier human being and honestly a better, healthier, happier world. It's not great for anyone to sit at a desk for eight hours, 10 hours. And so, you know, we're giving these kids tools to know their own bodies. And how could you, in those settings, incorporate movement? Uh, Is it sitting on a bouncy chair? Is it getting up for breaks to get water every 15 minutes? Are, are, Are you churning out, is this a drone factory? where we're just churning out replacement parts for a system? Or are you equipping citizens to maybe even change the system Mm -hmm. that no one seems to like, right? I mean, is is that – 
you know, this is the way the world is. It's like, okay, well, is that the way the world ought to be? Right. And, you know, maybe we should make our people to create the world that, the way it ought to be, not the way that it is. Exactly. Not, not to do too much of an ad for you guys, but no, I, love um, that. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the that's way, exactly it. that's what you're describing to me. And that's why, you know, I get so energized talking to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony, uh, you were going to men- it looked like you were going to mention something about, uh, Oh, also the, the pushback about single gender, not being reality. It's not like they don't see people from the opposite gender outside <laughs> of school. Like they don't have, you know, in the boys scenario, like they don't have strong female role models at home or at right. church or in their organizations or wherever. Um, and Nick can probably tell this story a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a stab. He visited a student down at the Barack Obama male leadership Academy in Dallas. Dallas and yeah. that question came up and this is a high school student. Yeah. So we were, uh, Liz Wilson and I took a tour down there and a senior at the school. So it's a six through 12 school, all boys, uh, great school, would love to go back. Um, but a senior there was giving us the tour, uh, and I asked him toward the end of the tour, I said, don't you miss being around girls? You're a senior in high school. You've been here since sixth grade. And he kind of chuckled at me, and he responded by saying, are you kidding me? After school, the girls flock to me. <laughs> and it's because, and he started to really eloquently put it, you know, the girls recognize that He's a gentleman. The girls recognize Mm -hmm. that he knows himself better. He understands who he is. And so he has this uh, sense of um, uh, just like self-assuredness. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, the girls recognize that. So instead of being around, you know, the boys in their own school after school, they want to come be around those other boys because there's just something different about them. Right. Well, I mean, anyone who has an ease with themselves. Uh, is is going to draw people to them, so, which it sounds like what you're describing. Right. And and then there's the, you know, we do teach our students to name their emotions and be able to communicate them and all of that. And there's been some fathers in particular who have been concerned about, oh, you're going to make my boy soft, you know. And that's the exact reaction I have. I'm like, you know. <laughs> do you scoff at them in, in their face like that? Just like that. <laughs> no, un- unfortunately, I, I can't uh, I can't do that. But um those type of conversations are, are a little bit frustrating and they talk about, well, you know, are you going to be talking to our boys about what it looks like to be a man? And that's my job at home. And, you know, we shouldn't touch that in the school. And like generally our, our philosophy is as you go from a man from boyhood into manhood. Um, and this I think goes for any gender. It's not a man or a woman, a whole person knows themselves well, right? And they are self-assured and they can name their emotions. A whole person has strong relationships. A whole person knows what it's like to give back to your community and, and back to where it's like, we know what works. It's like, I don't really see any argument there. You know, we should all know ourselves and be able to communicate and advocate for ourselves and have strong relationships and give back to our community. And so the pushback is interesting and it does um, kind of elicit some, some laughter and chuckling inside sometimes. Yeah. Well, it's funny thinking about the the single gender aspect. It's uh, it's one of those things where just because the vast majority of us had, you know, a dual gender experience. Just because it's different, you go, man, I, it would be weird not to see girls in my school every day or, you know, not to see boys in my school or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it, it's almost an absurd question if you think about it for like 10 more seconds. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, like I live in the world where, where we all exist, which is kind of strange. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you compare that against, Sort of, uh, I think the traditional notion of a single gender school is almost like prep school. Mm-hmm. And when you read stories about people from prep school, a lot of them almost got the opposite of what was maybe intended and what you guys describe. Mm-hmm. You know, they come out almost like worse people and more disgusting. And, but I, I think that's because you're segregated not only during the school day, but socially as well. You live there, you, you almost never see the other gender. Right. Well, and a lot of those, and, and we went and visited some schools on the East Coast because there's not a lot of public, for sure, single-gender schools in this region, and there are more in um, the East Coast. And, and a lot of those models are, are punitive and compliance-based. <laughs> right. They're the crest and the blazer and the tie and get in line, and you've got to fit in, which means you've got to change who you are to fit into this particular model. Right, like scent of a woman. 
you know, exactly. like, like Chris O'Donnell <laughs> Great in high school. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is that the culture of belonging, you know, come as you are with all your unique talents and abilities. And we're going to build off of that and pull more of that okay. out mm-hmm. um, versus get in line, tie your tie, put your blazer on and be quiet. Hmm. Right. Yeah. We want to we want these boys to become outstanding young men. But we don't have a definition of what an outstanding young man is necessarily gotcha. because it's up for them to decide. Um, we're obviously going to provide guidance. And as Tony mentioned earlier, <clears throat> you know, these boys should be defined by their relationships and how much they give back to their community. Absolutely. But we're also going to help them uncover who they truly are. And yeah. that's that's a big difference between us and a lot of other single gender schools out there is – uh, we don't have a mold that we're going to try and force right. these young men to fit into. They're all unique in right. a great way. That No, that makes sense. And getting back to Scent of a Woman at the very end, <laughs> he, you know, uh, the, the main guy, um, the headmaster, the guy who has the prank played on him, um, he says, you know, this is not indicative of a bared man. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. What, and I don't know. <laughs> that's just – that's not my style too. I grew up listening to a lot of punk rock. So uh. – um, so uh, my issues with authority run a little bit deep. <laughs> but uh, something I wanted to ask about as well, because um, sometimes as, as you start to understand educational reform, there is some criticism. I don't know if criticism is the right word or some skepticism about the role of charter schools um, in terms of how you guys get funding and, you know, mm-hmm. the rules that you have to play by, you know, people think that may not be fair because a lot of public schools can't go out and fundraise, whereas you all can. How do you handle that criticism? How do you respond to someone who maybe has questions about how a charter, charter school functions? Can I talk a little bit about <laughs> that real quick? Um, first and foremost, any school in DPS can fundraise, whether they're innovation, charter school, traditional mm-hmm. school, you name it. Uh, my wife teaches at a school where their PTA raises six figures a year. Um, wow. Where the issue comes is inequities in neighborhoods. Um, she and their staff and their PTA have the ability to raise those funds because it's in a pretty affluent neighborhood. Ah. Um, schools in other parts of Denver don't have that ability. So the, the issue of inequity shouldn't be placed at the feet of charter versus traditional or anything like that. Those inequity issues are a societal issue mm. um, based mm-hmm. off of a, a wealth gap. Every public school can raise money. We get per-pupil funding just like any mm-hmm. other gotcha. uh, traditional school. Uh, we have a board that is very engaged and active, and we try to raise as much money as we can, which all schools technically should. Unfortunately, there's structural equity issues that prevent some from being as good at that as others Mm -hmm. is my two cents. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just educating folks on the misconceptions they have about what a charter school is. Mm. Uh, And Tony touched on a lot of those in what he just said. Is there anything else uh, beyond what he said that you'd like to dispel, you know, in terms of misconceptions about what a charter school is? (sighs) Or is that too big a question to tackle it's, it's a all big at once? Question. Uh, I mean, we're a, we're a not-for-profit charter school, five hundred one c three. Just as Tony mentioned, we get per student funding, just like any other district school here. Follow Common um, Core standardized testing. Exactly. Where the autonomy comes uh, is in the waivers that we write in our charter and get approved. You know, certain differences in terms of you know we can focus on that movement piece. It's mm-hmm. one of our core classes. Uh, you know, minor things in the scheduling, hiring, things like that. Um, but really, it's, you know, we're a public school, and we're, we're abiding by what all the district schools are here. I got you. And we're not franchising and replicating at a rapid clip. Uh, Gals has been in existence for seven years, and we've been right here, scrappy. Um, <laughs> not tra- Clawing your way up, right? Clawing, clawing our way up. And so – and I think the conversation also gets a little muddled when you throw a broad blanket in a national conversation. Like one thing that the trip to the East Coast was eye-opening for me is every school district across the nation handles charter schools differently. Oh, really? Um, some are doing it better than others. Yeah, I honestly think after what I saw on the East Coast that Denver Public Schools does a, a, a pretty good job uh, with – integrating the charter schools. There's a, a misconception. One out of five students in DPS attend charter schools, 20%. Wow. A lot of what you read, and I don't know if you think that number is high or low, like a lot of people think that charter schools are taking over the district and that more than one out of five students is attending a charter school. 
but that's the that's the figure. Mm-hmm. At least it was last year. Yeah. And for me personally, I've I've taught in independent schools. I've taught in charter schools previously. I've taught in district schools uh, all over the country: South Dakota, Pennsylvania, here in Colorado. I'm not necessarily a fan of any of them over any other one. I'm a fan of good schools. Right. Uh, and if if the school is good and if the school is being transparent, I'm all for it. I don't care whether you're independent, public, private. doesn't matter to me. As long as you're doing good for the kids that you're serving, I'm all for it. Hmm. What about you, Tony? What's your background? Like, how long have you been at this? And I came to GALS. Uh, I was a district coordinator in Denver Public Schools, and so I coordinated two student voice and leadership initiatives that reached 22 different high schools, innovation schools, traditional schools, pathway schools, and charter schools. And then Honestly, I had a bias about charter schools because I believed a lot of what I read and a lot of the railing against it. Um, and I had spent very little time in charter schools until I had my previous job. And, and I'm with Nick. A good school is a good school. There's great traditional schools. There's awful traditional schools. Um, the same with, uh, charters. Um, before my experience in education, uh, I've been an entrepreneur, um, starting some small businesses as well as some nonprofits. Um, what has kind of guided me to this work has been sort of an altruistic motivation, honestly, to feel like I go home every day feeling great and feeling like I'm learning. And honestly, most of the time, the students teach me a lot more about life and myself than, than I, I, I teach them. Um, I'm, I'm, so it's, it's been an, an interesting journey. I'm happy to be a part, finally, of an organization that places some of what I consider common sense at the forefront of everything that we do, mm-hmm. which is um, strong relationships and creating a culture of belonging and really making people uh, whole at their core so that they can navigate academics or career or college, whatever it may be, uh, putting certain fundamental things at the forefront. And so it's super exciting to be a part of bringing this to the boys of Denver for sure. Yeah. I most definitely and it's I would say it's a niche that uh is currently not really filled here in the city is that accurate I mean is there anything comparable to this No uh and as Tony mentioned earlier not even in the state of Colorado not in this region uh we're the only Not in this region how do you define re- region I surrounding states <laughs> really <laughs> I'd go north up to Canada and then down you know down through Texas there are very few Wow so like this whole swath of flyover country. Yeah, it's – I mean wow. in Colorado, gals in the boys' school, we are the only single-gender public schools in this state. My gosh. Yeah. And, a, and, and a big difference – like we visited Regis, which is a great school, and they've got both boys and, and girls. It's very expensive to attend Regis. Not all families have access to that single-gender education. And so sure. what we're doing is creating a really exciting, viable option. Is it the best fit for every student? No school is. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're very honest with parents about that. This is who we are and this is how we operate. We hope that it's a great fit for your son. Bottom line, we hope that your son or daughter finds that great fit where they do feel like they belong and can take academic risks and succeed. Mm. Um, So I, I, I think that that there should be many, many more public single gender schools that are movement based with the social emotional intelligence approach that we take. Unfortunately, um, we're seen as trailblazers and innovators. Um, mm-hmm. You say that unfortunately, which not unfortunately for you and not unfortunately for the opportunity, but perhaps unfortunately for, uh, you know, a, a larger segment of the populace. Is that, is that what you're saying? Completely. It's unfortunate that every student across the nation doesn't have a school environment uh, like we do, honestly. Mm-hmm. Or, or, the, or the opportunity. The opportunity to attend. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay, well, you guys are ramping up. You're getting ready to open in fall of 2017, right? Correct. So as we record this, it's January 6th. Mm -hmm. Um, This episode will go live January 12th. And so we're in the thick of enrollment, right? Absolutely, yep. So this is the first round of DPS Choice currently. Uh, It opened up yesterday, closes at the end of this month. Um, So January 31st? Yep. Okay, and that's a Monday. That's a Tuesday. You know, I'm I don't not know. Sure. I can't remember. But whatever the case, um, and so what does that entail? If someone is listening to this and wants to learn more about the Boys School of Denver, or has a fifth grade boy, and they go, you know what, I want to check out this option. I want to roll. I want to enroll. I want to get in touch with you guys. How might they do that? 
the best way there's multiple ways uh the best way that we would you know want families to figure out if it's the best fit for their son is to have their son come experience it um and so we have kind of our shadowing program which is kind of not your normal shadowing program because we don't have boys for other boys to come shadow at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we have what's called our day in the life program. And that's where boys can come in uh, with other potential prospective students. Uh, We've had groups of about 20 so far. And Tony and I will take them in the morning for a couple hours and we'll do morning movement with them. We'll do what a model math class would look like um, so that they can experience that our school is different uh, and see if it works for them. Um, and have had tremendous feedback from those day in the life sessions. And it's really exciting and uh, rejuvenating for Tony and for me because we get to uh, see our model work for two hours with yeah. these boys. Uh, and it really is just kind of this solidifying thing for us because we've seen it work at Gals for seven years. Right. Um, but now bringing in this population of boys and we automatically see how that movement in the morning gets them, you know, they're less anxious. They're ready to focus. Uh, they're not as squirrely <laughs> anymore. So, you know, I'm kind of getting off track here, but it's, it's great to see how that movement works. So people can come in for a day in the life. We have two more sessions this month um, with the dates. Can you remember the dates, Tony? believe it's the 12th and 24th. Um, we also have parent information sessions. Some fall right after the day in the life so the parents can kind of hear the boys download about their experience. Uh, we have parent info sessions in the evening as well. Um, you can just Google the Boys School of Denver and the first right. thing that will pop up will be our website. And we've got all our information sessions uh, listed there as well as our day in the life sessions. Um, we've had really tremendously positive feedback and excitement. We had one family, even though um, our professional development was canceled yesterday, drive in the snow <laughs> on the first day of choice and drop off uh, their choice form. Yeah, and with so, our with our wonderful uh, custodian who is out shoveling the out snow. Out shoveling, hand in hand. <laughs> dropped off the form <laughs> yeah. with our custodian. It's phenomenal. Boy, you guys got a full team here. Yeah, Everyone, exactly. Everyone's pushing the right everyone's direction, on right? Board. Everyone's on board. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was just double checking the calendar. Twelfth and twenty fourth are our day in the life programs. Right. Eight o'clock. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah, this, calling the school, and you more than likely will either get hooked up with me or with our uh, enrollment director Betsy Barrow, who's phenomenal. Okay, last question. And perfect. That'll this will all be posted on the uh, companion blog piece to oh, this. Great. It'll be on John of All Trades us. J O N of All Trades us. Last question. Two part question. As you guys prep for the opening. Of the Boys' School of Denver coming, what, August? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What keeps you up at night? <laughs> That's uh, the first part yeah. of the two-part question. Well, I'm yeah, going to yeah. go with uh, my 10-month-old daughter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so completely unrelated to the okay. school. Is she a good sleeper? Uh, not right now. No? No. Oh, and we've had this sickness going around in the family. Oh, yeah. No, um, around our house, too. It, yeah, I'll get better, ends. and then she's sick, and then we trade places. So really, that's what's keeping me up at night. <laughs> okay. Um, you feeling good about like- – I'm feeling really, really good. Uh, we've reached out to around 275 families who we've been in constant contact with, who've come, visited the school, or had their son come visit, or come to an info session, or we met them at an elementary school – uh, you know, and we're enrolling, we're capping at 120 kids. Wow. And so these families that we've been speaking to are all excited. We feel really good about our enrollment projections. And that's, you know, one of the big hurdles for us. And then the other big hurdle for us is, is hiring right now. We're in the thick of hiring. Uh, and my goal is to have everyone hired on by the end of this month. Um, to make sure I have my team in place so we can start wow. talking about what it's like to be a part of this, this startup school and start, you know, hashing out curriculum and uh, really building that team, that team kind of feeling. And I've had 60 plus people reach out to me from all over the country for, you know, 11 remaining positions. Wow. And these are all educators with lots of experience and coming from, you know, different backgrounds. Um, so just been really humbled by that as well. So, wow. I mean, starting this up is always super exciting, but uh, a little daunting. You know, I mean, but that's good. You know, like that's what you want out of a career. Right. So. Yeah, I I don't know that it keeps me up at night, but it weighs on my mind quite a bit. That startup environment and that culture and that um, that first year, it is going to be, you know, it's not going to be perfect. And we're not going to be refining things right out of the gate. Um, And just being sure that we stick together and have that solid school um, culture established. And so uh, the startup environment's dynamic it's not for everybody uh parents have got to be patient as well yeah um and so i've had some thoughts around that but otherwise i am super ecstatic the feedback has been great and 
all we can really do is put our best foot forward and let the mm-hmm. chips fall, and it's a pretty good yeah. best foot forward, I think. And it's nice, too, because we're not your traditional startup school. We're yeah. a replication model. Right. Gals has been around for seven years, as we've said many times, and we have so many shared positions, our executive director, our director of operations, director of enrollment. So we're really a replication school. We're yeah. not the traditional don't know what we're doing. Oh, my gosh, we don't have any resources. <laughs> yeah, it's and, not whole cloth, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, then you guys both kind of answered this, but what excites you most approaching the opening? For me, it's being a part of creating a school that I wish I had the chance to go to growing up. I experienced public schools, private schools. I'm, I'm a very proud DPS uh, graduate, but a lot of my education was about changing who I was to fit in. Mm. And I think about what would it have looked like in middle school if I could be myself and people really knew what my core strengths were and nurtured those. And, and when I messed up, it was seen as a, as a learning experience uh, versus having to be uh, punished or compliant. And so for me, just that feeling of being able to start a school with that environment where every student belongs and really setting them up for a, a successful and dignified next step in high school feels great and also doing it with such a great team yeah. having having that mm-hmm. 7 years experience is unlike anything I've ever uh, experienced before and so I have trouble describing my excitement honestly <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I would echo everything tony said for me I've been I've been teaching for nearly a decade. I've seen, as I mentioned before, a bunch of different schools. I've seen what works around the country. I've seen what, frankly, doesn't work. I've always been in it for the kids. It's it's the students that give me energy. Uh, it's been the, the you know the nearly I, I counted them up. It's like something like nine hundred ninety six students that I've taught over the past ten years. Um, those those kids uh, are the reason I do what I do, yeah. uh, and I've. I've always wanted to create an environment from the get-go that I know works for kids. Uh, And this is the opportunity to do that. And so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, seeing the boys come to our day in the life sessions, that's what's giving me energy. That's what I get excited about. To see them already benefiting from our model in the span of two hours. (laughs) Right. I mean, just imagining what we can do with those kids over the course of three years during some really formative, you know, a really formative time in their life. Yeah. Those sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, they're you know they're tough times for a lot of kids, and they're really uh, telling times. And so, being able to uh, create that environment for those kids, for these kids in Denver, that's what excites me. Wow! Listening to you guys talk, it's hard not to get excited. Thank you for the time. Thank you for uh, sharing with me all about the Boys School of Denver, um, and I wish you guys continued success. Thank right. you. Thank you, John. Ring the bell. Put your books away. This week's episode of the John of All Trades podcast has come to a close. Big thanks to Nick Jackson, Tony Pigford of the Boys School of Denver for giving us a great download on both the present and the future of education here in our fair city, in our fair state. Go to the John of All Trades website, jlnofalltrades.us, for the companion blog piece where you can learn more about the Boys School of Denver. I have links, all the pertinent links that you need to learn everything that you'd want to know about the Boys School of Denver. As long as you're on the web, follow John of All Trades on all the social media platforms that we're on. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Pinterest, all under the same handle, J-O-A-T-Pod. Also, if you want every episode of the John of All Trades podcast delivered right to you, we're on iTunes and Stitcher. Get a subscription. And hey, you know what? If you like what you hear, leave us a review. Give us a rating. Those things all help us move up and increase exposure for the John of All Trades podcast. So if you do that, remind me to give you a big sloppy kiss next time I see you be back here next week with a fresh episode of the john of all trades podcast once again we're delving into something nerdy that i love so a bit of a lighter episode next week should be a great deal of fun i hope you'll enjoy it facebook is the only place you can find previews of each week's episode those go up on mondays the new episodes go live on wednesday so enjoy your week i will see you back here next week and until then say goodnight crazy That's good, Johnny.